You're listening to The Lenses Podcast from Shades Mountain Baptist Church, engaging the world through the lens of the gospel. For more information and resources, visit shades.org lenses. Great to see you all. If you are here for Timothy George and a lecture on the Reformation, you're a couple weeks early. Instead, you'll hear me, and I hope that's okay with you. Um, uh, thank you, Bradley, for that glowing introduction. I'm just going to have you introduce me all the time. That sounds really good. Uh, We're going to laugh tonight, so if you're feeling extra serious, um, I think some men's groups are down the hall. Uh, um, But no, we're going to laugh, we're going to be silly, and uh, I recognize talking about humor uh, is like decidedly unfunny. Like there's something that sucks the joy out of jokes when you explain why it's funny. I'm going to try very hard not to do that, but we made we may devol- uh, delve into that, devolve into that a little bit as well. So I apologize in advance for that. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I am not the expert on this. This is something I'm interested in and passionate about and think about a lot, but I'm not the expert. Uh, you're welcome to disagree with me, and I'd love to hear that during the question and answer time. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some like ethical issues as it relates to humor, and you're also welcome to disagree with me there, and we can talk about it. That's what we're here in the church for. That's what Lenses is for, is if we disagree, iron sharpening iron, and we're going to hear each other uh, as it relates to that. All right, let's get started. Humor in the image of God. Uh, So we know that we are created in the image of God. Every culture that I know of, every people group language They all enjoy laughter. I don't know of one group of people that does not enjoy laughing. In fact, one of my favorite things is when you get a chance to travel or see video from people across the world and watching them laugh, you realize like, oh, they they laugh like I laugh. They laugh loudly like I laugh or they cover their mouth in the same way. Everybody laughs and enjoys laughter, which says to me and hopefully says to us that there is something within us If we are created in the image of God, there's something that he has instilled in us, uh, the enjoyment and the ability to laugh, which then tells us that there's something in God, that there is an enjoyment and an ability uh, to laugh. Even animals are known to experience play, uh, and probably many of you, are you dog people? You probably say, hey, look at my dog laugh. And uh, Anybody have one of those dogs that laughs? Um, I don't believe you, but sure, yeah, the dog is laughing. That's great. All God's creation reflects who God is, and part of that is a piece of laughter. How many of you have said before that God has a sense of humor, right? We say it when things go differently than what we expected or when we find ourselves in a different situation, but we also believe it to be true that God does have a sense of humor. That There's something in us. He's created us to laugh, which means there's something in him that enjoys and appreciates laughter and joy. And just like us, humor is unique, which is why we do call it a sense of humor. That all of us have a different sense of what humor humor is. There's the five senses, right? And then there's the sense of humor, which I think makes us all Spider-Man, right? The sixth sense, we all have that sense of humor. That's the only joke I've written down tonight, and it went over over pretty well. Uh, So, feeling pretty good about this. Um, All right. So, where is the sense in humor? Uh, The scripture passage for this is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 4. This is one of my favorite passages. Uh, We won't read all the passages tonight, but I do want to read this one. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, 
A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. For the next eight verses, it continues in that way, but we'll start right now. And I'm highlighting the beginning of verse four. A time to weep and a time to laugh. That there is a God-appointed season for laughter and dancing and joy. And if we neglect it, we are failing to celebrate the fullness of God's image. There's a heavenly decree that we should and can laugh. And so uh, I take that serious, right? The problem is, uh, what is the, the, the hardest thing about a comedian is timing. Uh, the problem is, is figuring out when is the right time to laugh and when is the right time to mourn. We'll get into a little of that uh, a little later, but that's where wisdom comes in. And so when we also have to talk about in the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes uh, that when is the right time to mourn, to laugh, to laugh, to not laugh, and we'll go from there. Okay, next. The machinations of a joke. Uh, this means the structure of a joke, but machinations is a much funnier word. So that's what I'm using. All right, we're getting down into brass tacks of like what makes us laugh and what is funny. So the fir- there's two points here. We'll look at the first one. Uh, comedy equals tragedy plus distance. Has anybody heard this before? All right, a couple people. All right, good. So this is news to a lot of you. Uh, but comedy equals tragedy plus distance. And that distance can either be time or space. Have you ever heard a joke and someone say, too soon? It's too soon. That's this. That means we're still in tragedy and there's not enough distance. The idea being that what is funny is really stuff that's uh, maybe dark, maybe painful, maybe hurtful. Uh, but that after enough distance, either enough time has passed or enough space, uh, maybe we could laugh at things that are dark on the other side of the world because they don't affect us. Enough space of one kind, uh, time has passed by, distance in some way uh, makes it funny. So comedy equals tragedy plus distance. And tragedy can mean a number of things, and we'll explore those. Uh, The second machination of a joke is surprise. Something we don't expect Uh, And this is really important. Very rarely do we find ourselves laughing when the expected thing happens one after the other. It's when the surprise happens that we find ourselves laughing. Uh, Let's go through some of uh, how this works. Okay, so there's the tension in a joke. Every joke or everything you laugh at, for one reason or another, it will have tension in it. Uh, The most basic. Here, we'll try this. Knock, knock. Okay, already there's tension. Somebody's behind that door, and I don't know who it is. Uh, let's do it. We'll do a joke. Um, I'll do it to you. Uh, knock, knock. Interrupting preacher. All right, if you got your Bibles, get them out. So it's not a great joke, but it's a, it's a joke nonetheless. Um, so there's the tension in that joke. Ideally, the more tension there is in a joke, the greater the laugh is going to be. Uh, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know, but I'm curious. There's tension there. What's on the other side that made this chicken cross the road? Uh, A priest, a rabbi, and a preacher walk into a bar. Already, right, there's tension there, and we want to know what happened. And the punchline will pay off in one way or the other with something ideally unexpected. Uh, And then, of course, physical comedy. Physical comedy, uh, there's just... We'll we'll watch a video in a second. You're going to see. So a punchline... A punchline is the release 
of the tension through a surprise. If you hear someone telling a joke, they build tension with storytelling, and then when they give a punchline, they release that tension, and that's when the audience knows to laugh. So this gets into a lot of theory about, all right, what is funnier and how to make it funnier. I've read some books. Of, one of my favorite books, and it's one I'll recommend, uh, and I'll say this again later. It's one I can recommend, but maybe not endorse. Uh, Steve Martin has a book on his years as a stand-up comedian called Born Standing Up. And he talked about this, and he was really, like, he was a philosophy major in college and was really thinking about what was funny and what made things funnier. And he wanted to have a stand-up routine, uh, a stand-up routine without any punchlines. And if you've ever seen his act before, you've seen how somehow he's managed to pull that off by being an absolute idiot, uh, a wild and crazy guy, right? That's who he is. Uh, by being an idiot, but he never tells punchlines. He would try to, through one way or another, that wasn't actually a punchline to get a laugh. He thought that was a more honest laugh, which is interesting. Um, <clears throat> He also said that the best rooms for comedy there were ones that where you walk in and they're immediately uncomfortable. Uh, that the lights are low, people are crammed together, you build as much tension in the room, and then the smallest punchline can get a much bigger laugh. Uh, I talk with my buddy Ethan about this when I try to make jokes uh, on Sunday morning. You've experienced these before, right? Uh, right? That... Uh, that room is really hard to be funny in because everybody's spread out, the lights are high, we all have our pew and then like our, our area around us that only at CBC is that encroached upon, right? So it's a hard room to be funny in because you're relaxed. But uh, when there's tension in the room, you're ready for a laugh. And that goes back to this, these, these basics, the tension in a joke. All right, so let's look at some of these. Uh, first, physical comedy. Uh, this... People being funny with their bodies. We'll watch a video and then we'll talk about it. David, are you ready? Oh, I can't help but think. No, I can't We'll cut it right there. We'll cut it right there. People falling over is funny. We don't have to know why. We can talk about it. Watching that video. Have you seen that video before? Scarlet takes a tumble. Have you seen that? Uh, yes. Okay, great. We don't have to exp explain it, but we, we can try. Or, you, she gets up on the table and already you know what's going to happen. And yet... We still laugh when she falls over. Bob Saget made a whole career out of this, right? You remember America's Funniest Home Videos? People just falling over, and I laugh every time. Uh, the, in the internet age, what, fail videos, fail army videos, yeah, just people falling over. Now, this, in the moment, is tragic. She looks like she's really hurting, and yet, because it's not me, and because she uploaded the video, ultimately we know she's okay, so that's the distance we need for that comedy. Top-level comedy, right? Uh, so, okay, uh, physical comedy. Uh, the next, private matters in public. 
Um, we'll watch this video and then we'll talk about it. What is the trick on this? It's underhanded? No. Oh. The, uh, overhanded. It's then. an overhand throw. The trick is to keep your arm extended and that way you break the microphone. You know, you keep your arm extended and uh, put only one revolution on the uh, once around, once around uh, on the way. But uh, that's indefinite. want to talk about timing uh, that for young people that was Jimmy Fallon's grandfather that was Jimmy Fallon before it was Jimmy that's Johnny Carson uh, you guys remember Johnny Carson oh, okay good good um, that was for our uh, senior saints I wanted to grab something that was uh, from your time right uh, that nobody's better at timing than Johnny Carson and uh, that was him he uh, so, why is it funny well a lot of reasons uh, private matters made public right so uh, the, the punchline, of course, I didn't even know you were Jewish. Sexual humor, potty humor, the stuff that anything related to our shame and our darkness brought to light, it's going to get a laugh. It's going to be surprising. Now, there's ways to use this well and ways to use this poorly, and that's kind of what we're talking about uh, in a lot of ways. But this is the kind of stuff that comes out. A lot of shock comedians who uh, maybe shock comedians or go blue, this is why they get a laugh because they're talking about matters that are extremely private, and they put them in public, and the tension that automatically comes from those things being mentioned out loud elicits a laugh, especially if it's done in a, in a funny way. Uh, and there's also things related to this that are a little darker. Um, the depression, other kind of personal mental demons, or that kind of darkness. People can use those for laughter, bringing them to a light, and there's ways that we can laugh about that. There's ways that are both good and bad, healthy and unhealthy, that we can laugh about that. Uh, the next one, socially unacceptable behavior. We have a video for this one. This guy's mother-in-law comes to live with him. And she's been living there for about a week, and he comes home one day, and she's laying on the floor, and he calls 911, and the ambulance comes and gets her, and they take her to the hospital, and he's out in the waiting room, and the doctor comes out after a while, and the doctor said, well, I got some good news and some bad news. And I said, all right, well, give me the bad news first. He goes, all right, your mother-in-law is not going to die. He said, she's had a massive stroke. He said, in fact, she's probably going to live 20 or 30 more years. He said, the, the problem is this thing has rendered her unable to speak. He said, she just makes this horrible screeching noise like a parrot now. He said, it's also disabled her from using her arms and she can't feed herself. He said, for the next 20 or 30 years, you're going to have to feed her baby food three times a day. He said, also, it's made her incontinent. You're going to have to change your diapers and clean her up every single day of your life. The guy said, oh, my God. He said, what's the good news? And the doctor goes, oh, I'm just kidding with you. She died. <laughs> That's a good one. Great joke. It's a great joke for so many reasons. Uh, but the tragedy there 
is that he's talking about a mother-in-law, which already is its own brand of humor, right? Uh, but he's talking about his mother-in-law uh, who's undergone a tragedy, right? We don't find ourselves to say like, oh, death is funny. And yet when it's presented like that, the tragedy uh, of death, we can laugh at. And that's not a true story. That's just a joke uh, in, case, uh, in case you were concerned. Um, that was Jeff Foxworthy, known Southern comedian. Uh, and have any of you seen the Blue Collar Comedy Tour before? Seen some of it before? Yeah, nodding slowly. Okay, all right, good. Yeah, we've seen it. Good. Um, socially unacceptable behavior. Watching people be monsters for some reason is funny. Now, uh, I don't think Jeff Fox was a monster. He, I don't think he's a monster, but in telling that joke, he puts on the portrayal of someone who thinks that is funny. Or for the sake of the joke, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, socially unacceptable behavior. Uh, next, inner feelings being expressed. All right, so what I want to talk about tonight is why are your friends so annoying? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. These are the people you have picked to be with. You're like these people, and yet everything that they do, you're never going to the right restaurant. You got, you got to go. It's so great, great restaurant. And I don't even like the great restaurants. I don't want to hear the specials. If they're special, put them on the menu. I don't want any auditioning foods. When they make the real show, then I will eat it. And they, they explain to you how it's made, you know, which I, and I don't know, you know, they say cilantro and you have to pretend like, oh. Wow, yeah. Don't tell me how you made it. I can't cook. That's why I came in here, okay? I don't care how you make it. This meal takes two and a half hours, and your ass hurts by the end of it. It's not half as good as any Pop-Tart you ever had in your life anyway. The Pop-Tart, by the way, was a moment in time. When they invented and I think Tom Brokaw is going to be talking about the baby boom, and I am of that era, and when I was, I was about eight, they invented the Pop-Tart, the back of my head blew right off. <laughs> right? Do you remember? Like, what? I was, I was in the supermarket aisle with my mother, and I'm like, hold it, hold up, hold everything. <laughs> the hell is that? Fruit-filled, frosted rectangles in a box, the same... The food is in the shape of the box. What is this? <laughs> you, you open the box, they're not even in there. They're in packets. Remember the packets lined with some kind of metallic alloy from NASA <laughs> to protect them from gamma rays and Russian satellites might shoot at your brown sugar cinnamons. You had to protect the... And you open the packet, how many were in the packet? Two. Why two? One's not enough, three is too many, that's why. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> perfect vision of the future from Kellogg's. Two in each packet, two slots in the toaster. <laughs> so you're eight years old, and you're like, I can do this. <laughs> The toaster companies are in on it, too. <laughs> I never had that excitement at the grave. I don't want to go to the restaurants my friends want me to go, and I don't want their phone.
I stopped it in the video. I could have stopped it much sooner, but I, who doesn't want to come to church on Wednesday night and watch Seinfeld, right? That was Jerry Seinfeld. He had a television show in the 90s. Um, I do know, I do recognize that there were uh, two potential curse words in there, both of which are in the Bible, by the way, but we'll talk a little bit uh, about, about that later. Um, so, uh, inner feelings being expressed. One, um, Emotion is always funny, and emotion spelled out all the way, like him getting so excited about Pop-Tarts, it's going to be funny, in the same way that him getting so frustrated about the smallest things, funny. When we talk about improv next week, emotion is always going to be funny. And, see, and saying things that someone is thinking, uh, particularly the way that Jerry Seinfeld does it, is always going to get a laugh. Uh, and there's one more, uh, and this is absurdity. The absurd. So we'll watch this one. in the Holy Grail, uh, that's the introduction to that, and it's just absurd. These guys, uh, Monty Python, probably the best example of absurdity, uh, ridiculousness of seeing people, particularly the British upper crust, um, act like morons is just funny. Uh, the tragedy there is that there are real morons in the world, uh, and they're acting like them, and so that's the distance that you know that's not them. You know they're actually like Oxford, Cambridge trained uh, comedians, and so we can laugh about that. This is why when you see, uh, you've been in situations that are decidedly like unfunny, but if you watched it on television, you would think, oh, that's hilarious. Um, being, uh, you've seen The Office, uh, be, actually like being Jim at The Office would be miserable, but watching it with that safe distance, very, very funny and fun. Uh, the funniest thing of all, however, is truth. You've heard it said there's truth in every joke, uh, and that's true, that there is truth in this, and that's, uh, and that's an important thing to remember, specifically as we relate this to our Christian faith. So next, the theology of a joke. You've probably not heard this before. Uh, maybe you have, I don't know. But we don't typically talk about humor uh, in church, and so I'm happy to do this. Uh, the theology of a joke. If we can imagine, <clears throat> put ourselves there, of the weekend, the night that Jesus was crucified. The way the gospel writers tell the story is full of tension. Uh, that he was arrested in the garden, betrayed by one of his friends and disciples. Uh, that the way they tell the story of this kangaroo court trial that convicts him, where ultimately we see the Pharisees saying, we have no king but Caesar, uh, and having to betray their own faith in order to have Jesus murdered. Uh, him being publicly mocked and ridiculed and tortured, having to carry his own cross uh, to his execution, and then ultimately dying on the cross after being crucified. And not just that, but they're ramming spears into his sides to see if he's in fact dead. The tension is high. 
And there is absolutely nothing funny about the cross. It's tragic. And we should treat it that way. However, the empty tomb is hilarious. The empty tomb is the great holy punchline that was unexpected and that in the midst of attention, there's an aha moment, a surprise where Jesus was not where we thought he was going to be. And as a result, he's risen from the dead and he is resurrected. The laws of comedy right here are on full display that we can officially call the resurrection the greatest joke ever told, right? That God pulled a fast one on Satan, uh, that we can now uh, enjoy holy laughter. In the Greek Orthodox Church, they call it uh, Rissus Pascalis, Easter laughter. That Easter Sunday morning should be a celebration of laughter that Jesus was not where they left him. That on Sunday morning when Peter, John, and the Marys found an empty tomb, the empty tomb is the holy punchline. Jesus should have been dead but wasn't. This wasn't what anyone was expecting. This is why we as Christians can say from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That we have to understand, I believe, and you may disagree with me, but I believe that we have to understand humor to have a greater understanding of the resurrection. Of that where we were in a tragic situation, uh, now we can laugh about it. And have healthy laughter about it in the way that uh, God has intended for us. Um, some other comparisons. In Greek literature, uh, or historical literature, all the tragedies would end at a funeral. Best example, uh, Romeo and Juliet, right? Everybody dies at the end. Everybody dies. But in comedies, would always end at a wedding. Uh, think of all the romantic comedies you've come to know and love. They all end at a wedding. And the Christian life, the Christian life is, is uh, I'll, I'll say this first. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 9, and the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. That as Christians, our life doesn't end with a funeral. It ends at a wedding feast. It ends at a wedding, which is great news. Life is a tragedy, but the Christian life is a comedy. I believe this to be true. That life is a tragedy and tragic things will happen to us. But because of Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done for us, we can laugh. We can laugh in the face of death. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? We can laugh. And I think this is important. The Christian, uh, this is a good book, Jesus Laughed, The Redemptive Power of Humor. It's by Robert Darden. He's a professor at Baylor. Um, uh, if, if there's one resource I'd recommend, this would be the one to you. There's a lot of other funny things you can read, but this is the one talking about this specifically. It says, the redeemed should act more like it. That we as Christians... Uh, we can get worried about the world. We can get worried about what's going on. Uh, but instead, we can laugh. We can laugh knowing that this pain is temporary and that we have a holy distance between us and tragedy. And that's good news. That's funny news. It's great news for us. So, how do we use laughter? What can we laugh at? The, talk, the Bible talks about laughter in many different ways. Um, there's going to be a bunch of different scriptures up here. I'll reference some of them. The first one, Proverbs 1, 26. I, will, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Uh, this is the bad kind of laughter. 
The Bible talks about laughter in two different ways, uh, the bad kind and the good kind. Um, in Habakkuk 1, 9, and 10, um, the second part of that, verse 10, at kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. Uh, Luke 6, 20 to 26, in verse 25 it says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Um, in the Mark 15, this is, uh, yeah, the next one, uh, that tells the story of the... Uh, the guards, and when they had mocked him and stripped him of the purple cloak, the, the, him being Jesus. Um, and then lastly, Ephesians chapter 5. You've probably heard this one before, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. But there's two kinds of laughter, the bad kind. The bad kind of laughter is the kind that delights in sinfulness. The bad kind of laughter is the kind of mockery, of celebrating the folly of others. Uh, the bad kind of laughter is laughter that points at and puts down. As Christians, we cannot engage and should not engage in the bad kind of laughter, um, of crude joking, of mockery, of anything that puts other people down. And there's a lot of things that we can put into this box. Racism, sexism, any kind of ism that puts people down... Yes, while jokes may adhere to the rules of comedy and that there's words that end with a surprise and evoke naturally laughter out of us, we, we kind of have to work hard to suppress that, to not celebrate that, to not be a part of that. We like making other people laugh, but this is the bad kind of laughter. And yet, there's a good kind as well. Yeah, what's the first story that comes to mind when you talk about, think about laughter in the Bible? Sarah, yeah, Genesis chapter 18, she's uh, 90 years old, and God says, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. And she laughs, because that's funny. Uh, now, God gave her a baby, and through that, fulfilled his covenant to Abraham, but she laughs. Uh, that's in verse 12, so Sarah laughed at herself, saying, am I worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have the, uh, and shall I have pleasure? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 uh, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? This is a bit of exaggeration that Jesus uses to make a point. And it's good. And, and likely it would have been a, a joke that pulled out laughter. That you, You're looking for a speck in another person's eye. You've got a log in your own eye. A surprise. A, a piece of humor, as it were. Uh, Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And I think we can take joy and laughter and interchange those a little bit. But the Christian life, I think, should be one of laughter and mirth and merriment. But it is confusing. We're going to look at uh, James. Uh, I'll just say, I'll say this now. The book of James confuses me. It doesn't seem like it fits in with the... It's, it's the scripture, so I have to listen to it and sit under uh, the word, as it were, but I get confused by it because in one way, uh, James says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Not a fun guy at parties, that James. Uh, that's verse four and nine. And yet, he's already said in verse one, uh, chapter one, verse two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He's kind of saying, I guess, if you're feeling good, you should stop and think about God. Uh, but if you're feeling bad, hey, you should stop and think about God. You know, it's kind of uh, one of those things. It's confusing. And so that's why we need wisdom. 
That's why we need wisdom to discern how all of this works. How do we use humor? Uh, I've got four points here, and then I have Jacob's tips and notes at the end. So, uh, oh yeah, we're doing good on time. Great. Uh, how do we use humor? One, humor, uh, be inclusive. Humor is meant to, to draw people in. I don't know of anybody who's like, oh, that guy was really funny. I didn't care for him. Uh, we are drawn to humor, and so we should use it to be inclusive. Humor is best for those on the outside, right? Any nerd in high school you can tell you that humor is at its best uh, when you feel like an outsider. Humor is for the outsiders in a lot of ways. We need to use it to be inclusive. Humor is a God-given tool that we can utilize to connect with others, to celebrate our humanity, to bring others in, uh, and to delight in God. Uh, second, uh, mind the gap. Uh, all of us have a hole in our hearts that we want to fill with something. Now, those of us who know Jesus have hopefully filled this hole with his sustaining power, with new life that he's given us. So we, we could use humor as a crutch of like, hey, I, I want people to, I'll speak for myself. I can use humor as a crutch of like, I, I want people to like me, to think I'm smart, to think I'm funny. I want to make them laugh. Um, Robin Williams is the one that comes to mind that uh, he had a hole and he was trying to fill it with entertainment and all that stuff. He was a very good actor and a very good comedian and ultimately his depression took him. Um, that we cannot use this or our community or laughter to replace what God has done in our hearts. So we have to be mindful of when we use our humor, what we're using it for. Um, there are a lot of non-Christians who are very funny. We're going to talk about that now and, and going forward a little bit. Um, they would seek the approval of others through laughter to fill up what's empty in them. Their, de their default might be, well, we're all broken, so let's just have a good time. You might have, you've felt this before if you've not heard somebody say it specifically. Uh, this is the mark of hedonism uh, and is full of folly, uh, to use an Old Testament word there. Uh, but Christians should have the, op the opposite perspective. Well, we're all broken, yes, so let's celebrate our restoration in Jesus. Uh, and that would be the different perspective in using humor between the world and the redeemed. Uh, third, develop relationships. We can and should use humor to connect with other people. Now, uh, I'm of the opinion that I, it's very hard for me to share seriously with another person until I know that I can laugh with them. Uh, some of the people are different. My wife is different. She likes to be able uh, to, um, or the opposite of what I said, she can't really laugh with somebody until she's shared seriously. Not exactly one-for-one -one parallel, but you understand what I'm saying. It's hard for me to connect with people without I knowing, like, oh, I, I, can, I can laugh with Reggie. We can laugh together. We've built a, a, a rapport, a camaraderie, and now I, I can share what I'm really thinking, what I'm really struggling with. Uh, this is what we can use humor for, to build relationships with people, to connect. There's a lot of things uh, that we can connect with others on and laugh about together. And so we do that to build relationships. Uh, and then lastly, uh, think about other people. Humor can and should be used to encourage and uplift others, to encourage one another. All the things that the New Testament tells us to do about being obedient and encouraging one another, we can use humor as a part of that. Okay, Jacob's tips and notes. And these are the parts that I'm most nervous about. Uh, but these are just my thoughts and you're welcome to disagree with them. Uh, I think, and I, I believe for the most part it's true, that humor is best in relationship. Um, Bill Hader, my favorite SNL cast member, who I've laughed at so many times, he says, I, I've never felt funnier than around the lunch table with your friends. 
and I can relate to that. Uh, the hardest you will ever laugh is with people you know and you love. Um, inappropriate or not, the hardest you'll ever laugh is with people you know and love. Uh, I was asked, uh, this is silly, uh, right out of college, I was asked uh, to sing in a wedding. Me and three of my buddies were asked to sing in a wedding together, and it was uh, Daniel Baldwin's wedding. Uh, Daniel Baldwin, we went to prom together, and I probably had a crush on her from second grade all the way up. So singing in her wedding was awkward, uh, but fun. No, it was good. We didn't know the guy, so, uh, but we were probably not, we were not in the wedding party, but we were asked to sing, so we were invited to the rehearsal dinner, and it's me and my buddies in the back. Um, uh, so already you can feel the tension in the room, right? Uh, and they want to do something really special of having all the men in the family pray over Jonathan and the women of the family pray over Danielle. And um, Danielle's like grandfather, great-grandfather goes to pray over Jonathan and he lays his hands on it and goes, dear heavenly father. And just this noise, that came, that's all we needed. That's all we needed to laugh like idiots for five, in the, like the middle of like one of the most serious moments in their life. And I'm with my buddies and we are, I had to get up and leave the room. Because, like, it was, it was borderline sinful, if not all the way sinful. But those guys, listening to them laugh and me laughing, it's the hardest I've ever laughed. Like, I made myself sick. I was laughing so, so hard. Uh, we sang beautifully at their wedding, by the way. So all, all's well that ends well, I guess. Uh, but humor is best in relationships. It's richer. You know, you know the person. It's why me and my brother can make one small remark about our mother and it just get us tickled, right? Because the relationship is there. My mother's a great woman. If she's listening to this in the podcast, I love you, Mom. Um, uh, so humor is best in relationship. Two, and this is for the church, we don't have time to be offended. There's a lot of humor that is offensive and will offend us. I think... Jacob's opinion, I don't think we have time to be offended. I'll tell a story. Uh, when I was in Chicago, um, the musical Book of Mormon came to town. Have you heard about this musical, the Book of Mormon, right? Uh, it was written by the guys who wrote South Park, uh, and it was about Mormonism. And they called it uh, their uh, a love letter to the church from atheists. So that's what they called this. It's a very funny musical. It just so happened that on 12-12-12, it was my 29th birthday, and I went and I saw the Book of Mormon the second night it opened. Um, and I, I saw it. Was it shocking? Yes. Was it offensive? Yes. Uh, I think it says more about them than it does about me. I think that kind of offense, it says more about the guys who wrote it than it does about me. Fast forward a couple weeks, uh, an African-American pastor in Chicago uh, talked to the pastor of the church I was working with and got a news crew to talk about how offensive this show was. Uh, and he got on the news and, he, and, he, and, talk, and, he, and everything he said was true. But he spent valuable time and money as a representing the church to talk about why we think this thing is bad. I was put off by it. I understood the heart behind him. The way it depicts religion, the way it depicts Africans, the way it depicted a lot of things was offensive. I agree with him on that. But he put up a, a pretty big stink out of a show that had already been running in New York for I think a year and a half, if not two years. And he wrote an open letter to the guys that, they, to the guys that wrote it that they'll never read. I don't know what his point was. If his point was like somebody needed to say something, I respect it. But I don't know that we could spend a lot of time doing that, but I don't know that we have time to be offended by everything that's off-putting. 
It's part of the reason that I left those two curse words in that Jerry Seinfeld bit, is that we could, in church on a Wednesday night, we could scoff at the use of curse words, uh, but I mean, how many of you heard so much worse on the school bus by the time you were in third grade, right? Uh, we don't, I don't use the language, uh, and I would encourage you not to use coarse, crude joking, that language, talk about that kind of things. But it says more about the world than it does about us, so I don't think we have time to be offended. We can dialogue about this in the question portion if you'd like to. Uh, and the last one, uh, common grace. is a similar in that common grace is that God can demonstrate his truth to us through any mouthpiece, through any way. That uh, God, that other people that may not know the Lord can also recognize truth and if we believe that all truth is God's truth then we can hear it the best example of this is uh, Louis C.K. he's a popular comedian he's pretty coarse he has a television show but he also as a thinker seems to understand life better than any public figure that's out there one of the uh, season one of his television show he talks about raising his daughters um, and uh, he, they get, the daughters get an argument about like, uh, I want what she has, well that's not fair. She has more than I do, that's not fair. And he's trying to teach his daughter about what is and isn't fair. Uh, and he says um, uh, to his daughter, the only reason you should be looking in your sister's bowl is to make sure she has enough. The only reason we should look in our neighbor's bowl is to make sure they have enough. And I thought, that's a picture of the gospel. I don't think he knows the Lord. I think he's probably uh, unsaved from everything I can tell, but I tell you, his truth affected me in a way that points me to Jesus, points me to the truth of God. Uh, he, had a, he was on a Jay Leno's show before it went off talking about uh, being in an airplane and how everybody's complaining. He's like, we're flying through air in a metal bird and everybody's miserable. <laughs> His punchline is, everything is awesome and we're all angry, was what he was saying. Of this truth, like, oh, just by living, he has seen that everybody is unhappy. And that's common grace. That's a recognition that, like, he's recognized the fallenness of humanity uh, now. And we know that that can be restored and redeemed through Jesus Christ. And so we find those moments and we wait for those moments and we point people to Jesus as a result. I think it's our duty, I think it's our obligation as a church to think about humor and to use humor like we use everything for God's glory. I think we got some time for some questions. Any questions to begin? Just raise your hand, I'll walk the mic. I've got one to get us started. Okay, buddy. Uh, you... First off, Bradley, how'd it go? Was it terrible? Yeah, it was bad. It was bad? No, it, it was great. Bad. Thank you very much. It was, it was really helpful. No, it isn't. It's all right. That's fine. I, I thought I was going to walk around more, but I was, I was more reliant on my notes than I needed to be. It's, it's all right. Oh, shucks. It's next right. time. And speaking of next time, next week, I'll be talking about improvisation. <laughs> Go ahead. Good. Uh, <laughs> uh, you said briefly that uh, you had a tagline that you use often. Uh, I can recommend it, but I can't endorse it. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'll talk about this more next week. Uh, I perform improv with a group in town called Ugly Baby. Um, and I, uh, we're, I've been with the group for a little while. I think it's the funniest people in the city. I love, love performing with them. Um, I don't know how many of them are Christians. And so I don't know what they're going to say on stage. I know that if you come... Next Thursday night at 8 o'clock, <laughs> if you come, which you're invited to, by the way, um, that you will laugh, but I don't know what they're going to say. 
So it's one of those things where I can, uh, I can say, uh, I, rec- I recommend it, it's good. I can't endorse it because I don't know what it's going to be. You've probably felt this way about a movie. Um, uh, let's use a movie like... Um, all right, Saving Private Ryan, for instance. All right, it was probably R-rated. I don't know for sure. Was it R-rated? Yeah, it, a lot of gore, right? If you want a, a fascinating movie about World War II and about uh, war in general and all this stuff, the themes of that movie, like, I can really recommend, recommend it. It's hard to watch, and I maybe can't endorse it. That one I think I can endorse because it's so good and because Tom Hanks can do no wrong, right? Um, you guys seen Sully? He's good. Anyway, uh, but there's movies like this where you say, like, they talk about uh, and they recommend things that are, are decidedly unchristian, and I may not be able to endorse the message of that, but I can tell you, it is good. And so this is why when I talk about wisdom, that we have to, we have to be able ourselves uh, to delineate what is good and what is not good, or maybe not healthy. And, then, and I'll go off on a tangent a little bit, if you don't mind, um, that... As adults, we're able to do this. Um, there are, I remember being in high school and my youth minister doing the illustration about who your friends should be and he stood up on top of a chair and he says, is it easier to pull someone up or pull them down? Well, the answer by the laws of gravity is it's easier to pull someone down. And that was really good for me when I was 14. But now that I'm an adult and I know that like, all analogies break down at some point. We don't have to be afraid to engage culture. That Yes, I have to be aware enough to know that if I'm spending time with enough non-Christians and I start acting like one of them, we've got a problem. And that's the Holy Spirit's job to convict me of that. And it's my job to, be, to repent and to be obedient and figure those kind of things out. Um, and, uh, but it's a more mature perspective. And this is where wisdom comes into play there. I lost my train of thought. There's also things... Uh, Again, there's also things that, like, you may laugh at that I may not. Uh, Steve Martin talks about it in his book. He's like, as a younger man, I, made have, I probably made jokes about cancer that as an older man, I would not make anymore. The distance is too short, and I just don't think it's funny. And, and, and we have to recognize that in one another. There are things that you may find funny that I just don't, and vice versa. Wisdom. I, I went too long on Bradley's question. Thank you for the softball, though. Yeah, you're welcome. Questions? Uh, this is called Jesus Laughed. Uh, I'm going to put this on uh, our lenses page, and it's by Robert Darden. He's a, uh, he's a Christian. He's a professor at Baylor. Um, I emailed him one time, and he responded right away, so he's a prompt guy. I like that. Um, he actually has done a lot of work on uh, gospel music. He's like the billboard writer for gospel music, or he was five years ago when I bought the book. Robert Darden. He goes by Bob. It's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Questions? Anybody disagree with anything I said? No. Yes, good. There's a pull between there's a there's a pull between the idea of living a life that's exemplary so that we do not uh, offend the least of these, my brother. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the walking the line on the humor. Yeah. Can you speak to the idea of how, how you walk that line and not cross and offend the least of these? Yeah. Uh, so this is going back to humor should uplift and humor should not put down. If there is a person or a people group that is um, 
that is the object of your joke or is the butt of the joke, it's probably best just to leave it out. Um, that's not what we see on television. Jimmy Fallon does jokes about people every night, right? Uh, one of the rules of, of humor and comedy is that it's always better when you point up, when you laugh up. If you're laughing at people that are wealthier, more powerful, laughing at the king is funny, laughing at the peasants, it's not even really that funny. So it's a good thing not to do. Eddie, I hope I'm answering your question well. The line is, uh, is one, knowing your own ethic and knowing what you do and do not think is funny and f- kind of figuring that out and then recognizing that um, more important than being funny is being kind and more important than being uh, funny is being thoughtful and using that in your rubric of, of finding that line. Also recognizing that we do want a life that's exemplary and we are going to fail at it. We are not going to be perfect. We can only laugh at that, about that because of Jesus, thankfully, uh, but also being willing to apologize and forgive and all the things that we would do in our regular Christian life anyway, we'd also use in this arena. I hope that answers your question. If not, we can talk about it later. That's fine. Any other questions? How do you feel about uh, humor being a soul coping mechanism because it is mine to the point that my wife will tell you I make jokes at wholly inappropriate times like yeah. funerals. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, well, all right. We'll start the clock now. Uh, and these will be therapist hours where we talk about coping mechanism. Uh, right? It is, right? Um, I, it's no surprise to you. I wrestled in high school. My freshman year, I was 103 pounds. So if you want to wonder where my uh, sense of humor came from. It's a defense mechanism. It's a, it's a coping mechanism. There are ways to do it that are healthy, and then there's ways that I think are unhealthy. If you find someone who, like, can't be serious and it's impossible, then uh, right, I think that's a, a maturity issue. Uh, if you find... I would, so maturity is kind of the issue. And Ryan, I'm not saying you're immature. I think your wife is saying it, but I'm not saying it. Uh, no. And if it was your only coping me- mechanism, I think it would be a real problem. Um, and I've been to enough stand-up shows to know that there's people out there working through their stuff on stage, right? Or the radio, however the case may be. Uh, but that if it's your only coping, ne- coping mechanism, I think there's a healthy way it can be in your coping mechanism of all things. Uh, I would hope it wasn't the only one, and I'm hoping that we're using them wisely. That there is a time for laughter and a time for mourning and just figuring out when is the right time. I, I don't think I answered your question well, but it was too hard a question. I, guys, I, ju- I, I do single adult ministry. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kidding. What else? Got one over here. Okay, yeah, over here. I, I agree with what you say about we don't have time to be offended. We can waste a lot of time, as, as you explained. But how can you express your concerns or disagreement without wasting time being offended because sometimes you do kind of have to stand up for okay yeah this is a great question can i ask you what you what your answer for that would be that's why i asked the question i know i know (laughs) well here's here's the thing my answer may be different from your answer that there are things that like i may get get offended by uh that you guys may not and you may get offended by that i am not there is a moment like it's so unfunny to make a stand sometimes, and yet there is a, a moment where we have to. Uh, Danny talked about this on Sunday. There's a, to stand in the gap. There's a moment we kind of have to stand up and say, like, I, I, I'm not going to go along with this way. Now, ideally, hopefully, if we're in a relationship people were laughing at, we steer it back to where we... Uh, I'll give an example. All right, this may be a good example. Chad Kossaboom, who's not here tonight, um, he would make jokes to me uh, incessantly about when are you guys going to have a baby? 
when are you going to have a baby? Uh, when is, is she pregnant? Is this and this? Uh, and I kind of had to say, like, Chad, I know you mean well. I do not find that funny. Don't do it again. And he's never done it since. It was like a, a moment where I had to say that to him. Now, that's very small between friends. Um, if you find yourself standing up on Facebook, it's probably not a great idea. It's probably now... You can stand up to those around you and say, this thing that uh, I saw, I really don't like, and here's why, and have a reason and thoughtful approach. I think that's the best way to do it. I don't think Facebook is the best way to do that kind of stuff, but that's just me, because inevitably, uh, I'm not in relationship with everybody that's going to see that, and if humor's used best in relationship, I don't know, I'm not saying that properly, but that, I, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. There is a point where we have to say, okay, this has gone too far. I just don't see the humor in it anymore. And, uh, and we can say something or we can actively choose just to remove ourselves from that situation, whatever it may be. And if it's a bad movie, 10 minutes in, uh, I'm, I'm just not going to watch or whatever the case may be. I rambled a little bit, but it was fine. It was Maybe fine. one or two more. Along the same things, like if you're with a group of people and the humor starts to go in an offensive way yeah. to you as a Christian... You know, you walk a line between coming up, you know, you don't want to represent the gospel as a bunch of prudes. And yeah, so there's a way, you know, it's kind of magic, but you have to be able to disagree and pull it away um, without looking like a jerk. Yeah. And there uh, are. So we don't want uh, we don't want to look like prudes, which means we have to be able to laugh. And in particular, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves in a lot of ways. If, if there is conversation going on, ideally in this situation where you're with non-believers, because if they are believers, you can say, hey, you have my authority to say, hey, what you said was a little racist and I don't like it. Like, you should say that. That's the Christian relationship that we have with one another. If they're, if they're non-Christians, you either take the conversation elsewhere, you pull them aside, whatever, or you, you just don't laugh and let... And, and wait for another opportunity to join back in on the conversation. There are moments where we can call people out, um, but it's not every moment. We don't have to take every moment to do that. We have to find that right moment. Maybe uh, tangent off that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you can talk about, I've been to a couple of Jacob's improv shows, and uh, it's fun to watch Jacob kind of steer uh, the direction of the comedy. So maybe tangent with that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you how you work those lines. Um, so uh, we'll talk about improv next week, and improv is an art form that I've been a part of. It's basically theater on stage without a script, and through the rules, you figure you figure out what it's going to, uh, to be. Um, that you, it, You're thrown in a situation you don't know what it's going to be, and you have to have an ethic of what you will and will not do. Um, not surprisingly, sex comes up a lot. Uh, whenever sex comes up a lot, for the most part, my default position just about in life, mostly, is that of a naive 12-year-old boy, uh, wherein, like, I can just, like, I don't know what that is. And, and, like, that is much easier for me to, like, I don't know, I don't know. So that whatever the other person says to me, and some of it has been truly awful stuff, I can say, that sounds interesting. You know, it's a, it's a personal choice that I make to, like, I'm not going to take this further. As a matter of fact, and in a comedic way, I'm going to kind of put the brakes on this or maybe make us look at it a little bit differently. Um, making choices like that of... of of having an ethic and using on stage, I don't really curse on stage as well because I don't think you have to. Um, or I can hopefully try to find something funny another way. Or just like, that joke was right there and it was the perfect thing to say, I'll just have to get a laugh another time. I just, I just, I'll just actively opt out of that one and that's what I'll uh, try to do. Don't repeat that 12-year-old boy because that was embarrassing. So, 
Thanks. No problem, buddy. Can we all thank Jacob? Oh, thank you. All right, so let's transition into group times. Uh, so we are, the questions are up here, 5, 12, 15, and 19. Spend about 15 minutes discussing these questions in your group, and then we'll come back together uh, to close. All right, well, we are going to wrap up our time together this evening. Um, we are going to, to close in a, with a prayer. So I think it's going to be on the screen. So if uh, you guys will stand up with me and uh, let's recite this prayer together. Heavenly Father. Amen. Way to go, guys. That was really good. Uh, next week, Jacob is talking about improv, so we hope that you'll join us next week. You guys have a good night.